So a lot of times people are like, hey, I need to quit my job and start up this old, my private business, right? And if I don't do that, then I'm a fucking failure. And in that moment, you're setting yourself up to, for that to kind of be true. 80% of businesses fail in the first five years. I'm hungry. I need those sales and my family's gonna go fucking, they're gonna starve. I am so hungry that I do not have room to be unattached. Yo, welcome back, Warriors. My name is Rob Wong. I'm Scott Pagliaccio, and I'm even more grateful than I usually am because I've begun a formal practice of being grateful. So right before we got on the podcast, Rob, I listed 10 things I'm grateful for, like in the here and now, and then 10 things I wanted to manifest into my life and then let them go. It was completely unattached to when and how they would show up. And I think that lends well into the topic of what we're talking about. Yeah, I think that's a good segue. And we are talking about how to be less attached. If you're into Stoicism, Marcus Aurelius at all, if you're into Zen, every meaningful practice out there has some rendition of this. Buddhism has like, the more you're attached to things, like the more suffering you get to experience. But I think the big missing from all of these practices is they're just like, hey, bro, you should be less attached. Just just be less attached, bro. It's like telling someone at the gym to just lift harder, right? It's like, no, what are the steps here? So Scott and I are going to do our best to break down how to get to a place of non-attachment. Because on one hand, we learn to grow as men or as people, right? When we have big goals, goals that are beyond us. But a lot of the times when we set those goals, they also come with heavy attachment. Fuck, I need this outcome. I need to prove myself. If I don't do this, I'm an idiot. I'm an asshole. I failed. There's a lot of self-worth tied into the success or failure of this one thing. One thing to recognize is this innate human fallacy that I remember running into when I was a kid. I'd watch a movie and then I'd hear the soundtrack. And then for some reason, my five or six-year-old brain would be like, Oh, that, that, that song has probably existed forever. It's probably been around forever. I think that our brains automatically do that. And it's so easy <laughs> for our brains to just be like, well, that's the way things are. That's how it should go. I, I think a big part of the process of unattachment is understanding that so many of the goals that we're told that we need to achieve to be successful or a proper man are ideas that just recently emerged. Some other person came up with them and you're under no obligation to do them. This might not even be a thing like 50 years from now. It's just something that all of us are experimenting with in this moment in time. I was startled to learn was that the idea of retirement was introduced in like the 80s or the 70s. It's a few generations old. Before that, people would just work and they would just continue to work. Now, of course, retirement's an improvement, but it didn't even become a viable goal until some of us were just about being born. What's even more interesting is this idea of like, you're not successful unless you retire early. And so that whole standard for success, the whole like become like a dot-com millionaire, right? Sell things online via dropshipping or Amazon FBA. These are all ideas that really got introduced to the American collective consciousness when Tim Ferriss wrote the four hour work week in what, like the 2000s, right? And, and so... All of a sudden, that became the thing that everyone needed to do. This wasn't an expectation until that book got written. 
So I think there's this fascinating thing that's happening in our culture where all of a sudden someone introduces this idea and if enough people read it, it suddenly becomes the thing that everyone needs to do. Otherwise, they're not successful, even if that idea has only existed for a few years. And so you have these ideas that are like 20 years old, right? Like they're just barely old enough to get a drink. And all of a sudden they become the baseline expectation. Well, everyone should do this. When in reality, we're all still figuring out how the fuck to get there. And, and so for me, when I heard that, it was like, oh, okay. I, I don't have to become like a billionaire or a hundred millionaire to be successful. I didn't need to retire in my twenties in order to be a successful man. There's a comparison is the thief of joy, truly. If I am comparing myself to you, Rob, and my level of success isn't enough because of what you've accomplished, that's creating suffering over here by me doing that to myself. So it's like, I congratulate you for the level of success that you've gotten to. It took a lot of work to get there and it took years and years. And actually, I celebrate you and I honor you because you're modeling that for other folks, man. I think that's the big thing. Don't fucking compare yourself to anybody else. You're going to suffer. And um, you, there is no retirement because you're going to want to do something. It, it could be like more purpose-based work, but you're still going to want to fucking do something like go to South America and stop fucking human trafficking. You're not going to just sit on the couch and eat potato chips until you fucking die. Like that's, that's well, a, you could, but it wouldn't be a very good life. Yeah, yeah, you could, yeah. Go ahead. If that's what you want to do, go ahead and fucking do that, man. Go eat some fucking potato chips until you're fucking, you know, until you get to be nine hundred pounds and then you die. Like this is causing crazy. Scott physical pain. I can see him suffering at the idea of this occurring. <laughs> He's not yeah. having a good time with it. But but I think I think this brings up like a very this this is a good place to stop and plant the flag and explore because like. Now we're back in the territory of an attachment, right? So we want to be able to get to a point where we see someone else's success. And instead of the, the natural and reflexive thought of, ah, fuck, I should be like him. Like, why don't, why don't I have a business? Why don't, why am I not making $200,000 every single month? Every six minutes. Every six minutes. Like why everybody on Instagram. <laughs> Seven uh, fucking sneakers. I make seven bazillion dollars flipping sneakers on Amazon. Right, yeah. Sometimes I just have videos of me picking my nose and eating the boogers and people pay me the big bucks, bro. And, and if, if you're not making this money, then you're a loser. Okay, so that happens. How do I, how do I get to unattachment from there, right? And I think the trick that people don't explain here is... You can't control your thoughts when they occur in that moment, right? But what you can control is how you feel afterwards in the backlash. So at first you're gonna be like, I oh, got fuck, I need to catch up to that human being. I'm a failure. But do you have the ability to then fill your own cup, right? Because when you get to a point when your cup is so full, it couldn't possibly take another drop of joy. You, you couldn't possibly be more fulfilled it doesn't matter when your friend comes up to you and tells you, hey, I'm dating five women at the same time. Or like like Scott, like just as we walked into the Zoom call, he's like, yeah, I'm dating two beautiful women now. 
And, and it was just like, the reflex there wasn't jealousy only because my cup is so full that it's like, hey, I can I can rationally see that's not a goal of mine right now. I can celebrate Scott and his win, but it's only because I have this practice of refilling my own spiritual jar. I don't know. I'm going to repeat that statement a lot in different ways, and maybe maybe one of these will land. But, but it's my like fifty-five gallon I... jug of uh, joy is full to the brim, baby. Right. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep on swapping my icy cup of love has been refilled at the 7-Eleven of spirituality. Um so it's like, can you do that? And and so maybe maybe I'd pass it back to you, man. Like, do you have any practices that you find are really good for that? Yeah. I, where the hell were we though? Like look <laughs> like, <laughs> fucking lost, man. I got lost on the icy um cup of love thing and the, i know it was such a great question but i got i got i got sidetracked man like what well, was what was it again where, where do you refill your icy cup of love what practices do you what do you use to get to unattachment <laughs> yeah uh, the icy the, the the big gulp of love cup filled up to the brim how do i keep it there like honestly rob like being grateful, like I really did start a, a gratitude practice. And for the listener, part of the practice when I'm listing the things I'm grateful for is to slow way down and breathe and, and say thank you from my heart, like literally come from my heart. And I noticed that's helped. And then when I list, oh, and I started waking up in the morning and saying, I love you to myself in the mirror. 20 times and that's been helpful so let's let's assume that the person listening right now has never done any of this before what what are you doing when you're saying i love you to yourself because you're not just repeating the words and getting it done as quickly as you can what's, what's your process it's slow like looking myself in the eyes slowing way down and breathing you know taking deep breaths and just really looking at myself like really taking the time to enjoy that moment of being with myself and giving to myself from within myself this feeling of love and joy and gratitude. Like I'm, I'm grateful to be alive. There's so many causes and conditions to, to be grateful in this moment. And if I start to list them and tell myself that I love myself, like that's how I begin my day, man. And over time, I've noticed that it has made a profound difference. And what I noticed in taking on this practice, I'm less attached to the outcome. Like I'm starting, I'm starting this men's group and it starts on Tuesday and we've got maybe three participants, but I'm not attached. I was more attached to, I got to get more dudes. I, this isn't a success unless I got, I fill all the seats. It's like, no, man, enjoy the moment of talking to the men one by one. And I, I made a goal for myself today at the gym. I brought cards and I said, you know what? If you want to feel like you're doing the work, talk to 10 men today. And that felt great. I talked to dudes in the locker room. I put out business cards. I told people what I was up to. I, I asked them what they were up to. 
So I'm just enjoying the process, man, and not I, I'm not attached to the outcome. If one dude shows up, I'm committed to that one man. If two dudes show up, cool. But I'm not attached to there being any sort of outcome. And I feel more success and abundance when I can just let go and enjoy the process. And in those moments when I'm talking to men and women about this men's group, I feel fucking grateful. I'm like, it isn't about the money. It's about the service and it's about the impact. And then I think letting go of their being an attachment that I got to make money. I got to make money. I got to make money. The less I'm attached to that outcome and am more grateful in the present moment for what is, I feel lighter. I feel like I have more room. And then I feel like all of a sudden people just start showing up. I got a phone call the other day. Hey man, wanted to join last year. Going to join this Tuesday. Cool, man. How cool is that? But when I don't create any sort of space, I feel like I'm not a magnet for what I want to attract. I'm actually deflecting what's possible. So hopefully that it's enough. Oh, it's enough. You are enough. <laughs> I am enough. Yeah. I mean, okay. So there, there are a few good things that I want to highlight here. The first of which is if you don't want to be attached, then don't be hungry in the first place. So a lot of times people are like, hey, I need to quit my job and then start up this old, my private business, right? And if I don't do that, then I'm a fucking failure. And in that moment, you're setting yourself up to, for that to kind of be true, right? Because now I don't have an income stream and I've set up this business that I need to make successful. 80% of businesses fail in the first five years, but I need to be the, that 20% that can not only make my savings last for five years, I have to be the 20% that actually succeeds, right? And so in that condition, I'm hungry. I need those sales or my family is going to go fucking, they're going to starve, right? Or I'm going to be homeless. I am so hungry that I do not have room to be unattached. This is rule number one. If you're going to take a swing, take a swing in a way where if you fail, you still can live with the consequences. And remembering that you can dial down the intensity meter to what is comfortable and manageable for you is one of the best ways to start building up the skill set of unattachment. In the beginning, if you know that you're going to get very attached, it helps a lot to just manage, eat before you go to the restaurant, right? Like you don't, you don't be starving before you show up. Yeah, or the grocery store would have been a better way. Store, yeah, I was just gonna say, yeah, and the restaurant too. If you're if you if you're on a budget, you know what I'm saying. Have a have a little snack before you go to, before you you take the lady out. <laughs> Let her eat big, man. That's what I yeah. That's what I'm getting at. Secretly, I was I am just very cheap. So yeah. I, 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 but here's here's the other thing that came up when I was listening to you talk, Scott. So the opposite of attachment warriors is savoring mm. and, and it's just i'm savoring whatever is here for me in this moment I'm, I'm looking at the way the sunlight is dappling in through the blinds the way that it's shining through the leaves maybe i'm outside i can feel the cold breeze on my face and it's invigorating i'm slowed down enough that i'm tapped into all of my senses and i'm just bathing in this moment taking it all in soaking it all up i'm savoring what is here that is how you enjoy the journey uh, there is a lot of advice out there that's like 
The journey is the reward. This is one way to do it. Just get deep into your senses and pretend you're like licking an ice cream cone, except the ice cream cone is this moment. The final thing that I want to throw in here is, and this is something that Scott just mentioned, this is important. As far as I can tell, this is a rule of the universe. I'm the bottleneck. I am the bottleneck. And the worse my energy is, the less bandwidth I have. And that means if someone comes to me and they're like, hey, uh, I have such and such problem. I'm much more likely to show up in like a frazzled, horrible way that will scare them off if I don't have the bandwidth. In fact, I found that the lesson is the more I cultivate my ability to sit in the fire and be with the discomfort and still find my moment of savoring, the more bandwidth I have, the more people show up, the larger and larger my events get. But in the beginning, your bandwidth is going to be very narrow. Your energy is only going to be able to sustain one or two people before it gets all wobbly and weird. Anxiety kicks in. Fear of rejection kicks in. Self-doubt. Too much perfectionism. And that's natural. It's part of the journey at that point in time. That's the lesson you're being served. Your job is to work through that fear. And once you do, then four or five people will show up. Then 10, then 20, then 1,000, right? It begins to scale with your ability to just find your pleasure and flow as life is occurring here and now. I love that, Rob. I love what you said there about, like, what, what I think I'm hearing is, like, you didn't say this, but it's protecting your energy and setting boundaries. Like, what are you a yes for and saying no to more things? Because the more things you say no to that aren't serving you, that aren't allowing you to feel nourished and fulfilled and have that energy and bandwidth, that's like leaky energy. You're leaking your energy out and it's getting sucked away where you need to protect that. Like you need to protect that, that bandwidth. And so a boundary is saying no to things that aren't pertaining to the goal. If you're starting a business, you can't do everything. I like the idea of finding out what nourishes me, what makes me feel good, what lights me up. Because I, I look at it like this. Sometimes my check engine light comes on and I don't have the bandwidth. And so I need to pay attention when I'm starting to shut down. What is that? What is, it, what is that information telling me? What's the check engine light telling me? Oh, I need to I need to fill my cup back up. So I need to find some things that I like to do that light me up. Like maybe go outside in the sunlight and go for a walk rather than getting on Instagram or getting watching Pornhub or whatever it is. This is emphatically true. I've started this trend where I will only pick one or two fronts where I'm fighting my battles. So maybe this month it's business. Maybe next month, well, I mean, relationships are always going to be a battlefront, right? But like, (laughs) (laughs) so that one is less about choice, but like maybe I'm challenging myself by like taking a new course or getting a new degree or something, but I'm, I'm never spreading my energy so thin that I'm working on five projects simultaneously, like you were saying, because yeah, I could push myself to do that, but it would be so much fucking work. I wouldn't have time to rest or recover. I would always just be troubleshooting one thing and then the next. And the interesting thing about being in constant stressful situations is that's how you get PTSD. That's how your system develops anxiety or chronic pain or depression. And while 
I think in my 20s, that was my goal. I would take my stairs three at a time and I would do that instead of the elevator. I would look for ways to do things the hard way every single place that I went to because we have this weird mistaken idea in our society, I think. The harder and longer we work, the faster the gains. And, and anime is famous for this trope where it's like, hey, this guy just worked out for every minute of every day without sleeping for a month and now he's stronger than God. And like... <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, I, I'm i with you on that. It, this is... this. This game that we're talking about is, is a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. Like, you got to be in it for the long haul, man. And, you know, sometimes you might want to work out every minute of every day so you can be stronger than God. And that's cool. Like, I get that. But then there's going to be times where you're going to need to recover and fill your Slurpee cup of love back up. Like, it's and that's when that's when you have to be aware of the check engine light when it comes on, man. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And the thing is, you and I both know that it's less efficient to work out every single day for five hours. There comes a point where you do so much damage to your body that if you work out again the next day, it's gonna be counterproductive and you might permanently injure yourself. I used to climb every single day for a minimum of an hour and a half, sometimes up to three hours. And what was crazy was I plateaued. I, I started getting tennis elbow and golf elbow at the same time. I was always fucking injured. And as much as I would love to be able to work out every single day on the same muscle group and then become strong as fuck. Biology is a limiting factor. My body can only take so much punishment before it starts breaking down. And it doesn't feel that way in your 20s because it regenerates really fast. But once you pass like 27, 29, that shift starts turning around. That's when you get injuries that take like eight months to recover and it sets you back. But when I switched up my workout regimen to be every other day, I jumped up two grades in difficulty in my climbing and it had nothing to do with how much harder I was working. I literally just started introducing rest so my body could recover. And, and I think the same thing applies to success and achievement. Uh, as part of letting go of attachment is understanding that resting is also productive, exactly as you were saying. Yeah, man, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but it's like, we have this grind culture now. Like, it's just grind away. Fucking grind. Grind it up. Like, fuck. I, I get it. And I get caught up in that too, man. But then I realized, you know what? Slowing down and enjoying it. Like, I know the difference between what it feels like when I'm going really fast and grinding. And it's, it's not good. I'm sure there are times where you need to final push for whatever it is that you're doing to get it done. Grinding does not feel like a good, a sexy, good time to me. If I'm attached to some sort of outcome and I want it to be other than it is, like I really, because I grind or because I want it to be more than what it's going to be, doesn't make it so. It's going to turn out the way it's going to turn out. As long as you do the work on the front end, the back end is going to be what it is, man. And if you feel that you've done the best you can do, then that's that's cool let it go does that make sense yeah definitely i i think that the rest part of the cycle is undervalued in this culture uh, but I, I do also want to stand a little bit for the grind like you were saying yeah, for sure. nothing gets done unless we put in the work right. and the grind can be helpful situationally but whenever possible we have to know that the challenge is coming to an end at some point if the grind is endless, if I never give yeah. myself an opportunity to stop grinding, 
I'm going to grind myself to dust. Like you look at cold plunges, right? Those are really popular right now because they reduce stress, right? It feels good to do a cold plunge. But the thing about the cold plunge is once you're done, you're done, right? There's a, there's a finite time that you're spending in that cold plunge. It's very different from living in an environment where it's like Arctic conditions every month, month after month after month. Living in that environment is actually so stressful on our bodies that it shortens your lifespan. So like, I think that there is, there's value to the grind. I think the grind can increase our bandwidth and toughen us up. But if it's endless grinding, if we never have a choice about that grind and we're just going day and night, that'll fuck you up. And I think that's the important distinction that Scott and I are trying to draw here. That, that was brilliant, brilliantly put. And I'm curious, have you done the cold plunge? I'm, I'm fighting it tooth and nail, man. Like these guys that I, that I hang out with, they're all like, cold plunge, fuck cold plunge, dude, dude, dude. I'm like, fuck you, I do enough hardship. I just did 150 burpee pull-ups. I ran a mile on the front end and, and a mile on the back end. And then I did 100 push-ups and 150 squats. Oh, I got to do a cold plunge now? No. I'm not fucking doing it. I, I don't give a fuck if it reduces inflammation. I, I'm fucking increasing my bandwidth by doing what I do. And I love what you said there. I get it. Grinding, they're, they're, it's necessary for sure. And also resting and recovering is necessary too. It's all, it's like a process, man. It's like a cycle. Like the seasons, you know, I'm in Buffalo, New York now, man. I'm not in Texas anymore. So the seasons, I, I'm really starting to appreciate, like it's snowing today and just the other day, the leaves were like brown and orange and like, it's the season. It's supposed to be this way now. And I'm not fighting it. I listen to people at the gym. Oh, I can't fucking believe it's snowing. Ah, fuck. I'm depressed because there's no sunlight. Like I, I imagine there is some truth to sun. There not being sunlight, but there's ways to combat that. I get it, man. If you lived in the darkness for a long period of time, for sure. I know. I'm not colluding with your story, though. I'm having a sexy, fun time. I'm in the gym having a blast. I'm not focusing on there's clouds because I know above the clouds, the sun is right there. This is the season for it to be cold and whatever else. Like, okay, let's adapt. This will be the thing that cinches it up. I think that it comes down to exactly what you're talking about. If I truly want to be unattached then I have to understand the difference between when it's time for me to grind and when it's time for me to stop fighting. And if I can never let go of my desire to continue to fight and problem solve and fix, I'll never be unattached. I'll never have an opportunity to recover and I, I will burn out. But can I identify when my mind is correct and when it's just feeding me a panicked, fear-based lie, there'll be times when you need to work and your brain is telling you that you need to work. You're like, okay, I can listen to that. And there'll be times when you're trying to fucking relax or you're just trying to like have sex or like do something that is not work. And your brain is like, hey, you need to be doing work. If you can learn to tune that off, if you can learn to do the activities that make you feel good instead, like going for a hike, going for a run, going for a walk, pissing off Scott and going for a cold plunge, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's me pissing myself off because, <laughs> because I know secretly I want to do it, but I'm scared. You know, I do. I, it's my shit. I fucking know it. I'm like, fuck you guys doing cold plunges. You're stupid. You're fuck you because I it's fucking scary, man. And I, I I'm thinking about jumping in that cold plunge. It's going to suck. 
I bet you I bet you're gonna love it once you're there though. I but I, I'm with you, man. I, I'm a surfer and I don't I don't surf that often because I hate the cold water. But in either case, yeah, it's just like can we can we stop our role for long enough that we see where the discomfort is, that thing that continues to drive us in a direction that's counterproductive. And then we take time to soothe it. Whether we're looking in the mirror and just saying, I love you in a very mm -hmm. present, slowed down way, and we're thinking about all the things that make us grateful, or if we're just standing out in the middle of a storm or a windy day and just letting our senses take us, those are the moments that allow us to get unattached. It's not just trying to wrestle your mind into submission. You can try doing that. It doesn't work for me. It's doing something else. It's, it's having your mind disengage entirely. And that's when you can be truly, really unattached and by default, really, truly free to be who you are instead of being governed by this pattern that pushes you to grind. Dude, I got nothing to add to that. You wrapped it up with a bow and Merry Christmas early to all the listeners, man. Well, yeah, I got nothing to add here. So, um, yo, I've been seeing that subscriber count go up. I think we've gotten a new rating as well. So whoever did that, thank you for doing that. That's always fun to see. We like having a larger community and we love that you're here listening with us, exploring the world, kind of rediscovering masculinity as it emerges. If you got something to say, let us know. There's a poll on these podcasts. Leave us a review if you feel like it. Peace. Peace.